wonderful stuff. Okay, um, now, um, let's get to Galatians chapter, um, I, I, I can't say six because we're not going to be in six, but we're going to get to six. Uh, but I want you to go back with me to chapter five. Um, and I want you to, you can just consider tonight a preface to next week. Um, because next week we're going to look at verse 26, Lord willing. Um, but a couple of you, probably not many of you, but a couple of you will remember that we, um, we stopped last May. Uh, we stopped at verse 25. Well, why did we do that? Well, because that verse 26 down there is an odd one. And I want to show you something. There are commentaries. Uh, this is John Stott's commentary. John Stott takes verse 26 and he includes it with chapter 6. Now, you know that the versification, you know what versification is, giving verses to the, to the text. Um, those verses, I mean, the numbers in the, in, in, you know, those, that's not inspired. That's, um, that was done, gosh, when was it, in the 15th century, 14th century, something like that? Just, just for our uh, uh, convenience. So the, the, the verses are not broken up in the, in the Greek text. So um, to put it in chapter 5 or chapter 6 is really, you know, but there are, there are several commentarians who would suggest that verse 26 of chapter 5 should go with chapter 6. That's Stott. This is Boyce. Uh, you can't see it because the, the, uh, the print's smaller. But Boyce includes verse 26 with chapter 5. And then he chart starts chapter 6 with verse 1. Um, and so back in May, uh, when I was um, um, trying to finish up Matthew 5, uh, Galatians 5, I kind of, I mean, I read Stott and I thought, well, yeah, I see, yeah. I mean, I want to go in chapter 6, so I'll just save it next year. Next semester. I've changed my mind for several reasons, and and I'm going to tell you about them next week. But the first reason uh, is if you'll notice in chapter 6, verse 1, it starts with the term brothers. It seems to me that that's the start of a new section. But now you say, well, I don't care whether you put it in chapter 5 or chapter 6 or chapter 14. I just tell, you know, I just talk about it, you know? Well, it is important because of the subject matter, guys. Um, um, so tonight, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to, not introduce you, we, we've talked about it several times before. But this final little section of chapter 5 is really pretty doggone important. Um, it begins at verse 24. And you'll notice, guys, um, that verse 24 comes on the heels of two rather lengthy lists. You've got the works of the flesh that begin in verse 19, and then you've got the works of the Spirit begin in verse 22. And then you come down to verse 24. Um, Paul is closing this section with a... Um, 
with a critical collection of exhortations. I'm not sure exhortations is the best word, but I'm going to use that word. Critical exhortations concerning sanctification. Now, since we had so much trouble with you know Catholic, I thought I better go back and, and, and define um, sanctification too. What is, I mean, I've drawn this up here 50 times. Uh, I know I have. Um, okay, um, this is when I go to heaven, or when we go to heaven, this is when we became Christians. That's called justification. That's called glorification, you know? Um, so as for me, um, I became a Christian on the September the 10th of 1970, and um, I'm going to die on April the 7th, uh, 2021. Um, okay, so that's justification. That's glorification. Everything else <laughs> is sanctification. Everything in between the day I became a Christian and the day I die is sanctification. Um, it's, it's the Christian's life and, and I would suggest to you that these uh, verses 24, 25, and 26 of Galatians 5 is as, is as critical a, a, a statement uh, about sanctification as you'll find anywhere in the New Testament. And what, what brought me back to it was verse 26. Uh, because I was, trying to lump, I was trying to get 26 to fit into chapter 6, and it just wouldn't go in there for me. And for some others, um, but it is, it is a wonderful exhortation concerning this, this issue of sanctification. Can I, can I read you the, just the, what I think is a three-verse, three-exhortations concerning sanctification? Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I would suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the exhortations contained in those three verses are as important as anything there is in the New Testament concerning this whole subject of sanctification. And I think you know what that term, I think you've heard that term a thousand times and know what it is. But let me, let me put this out and then I'm going to quit. The word sanctified is a word that's used a couple of ways in the New Testament. Um... I commend you, therefore, brethren, to the mercies of God, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. The word sanctified is used to describe... Back, back up. The word sanctified means set apart. So the Bible can use it to, de to describe people who have been set apart. Okay, 
So it describes a standing. You, brother and sister, you are the sanctified. Okay? You're the sanctified. You've been set apart. But the term is also used to describe a process. That is, the, um, the process of being sanctified. And that's what those three verses are about. And they're imperative that you understand. For instance, what does it mean to crucify the flesh? What does that mean? Is that uh, self-flagellation? Did y'all see the book, The Da Vinci Code? Did y'all see that years ago? And there was this spooky albino guy that followed Tom Hanks around, and he got into his room on, in one scene, and he takes this chain, and he begins to beat himself with the chain, you know? Is that what it means to crucify the flesh? The flesh has been a bad boy, so I'm going to beat it with a chain? Well, guys, I'm telling you, it's imperative that you know what it means when that text says, because it has to do with the whole thing. <clears throat> this thing has already happened, and there's not going to be any more of it happening, at least to you. <clears throat> and by the way, glorification is not via death. To hear some people talk in the media, all you have to do to get glorified is die. If you die, you go to heaven, you know? And, and you know, <clears throat> um, you can live, uh, you can be, um, what's the guy, the Playboy guy that, Hugh Hefner. But I mean, we got him glorified all of a sudden. I mean, all you got to do is die. No, no, no. But um, that's, that's, you're not, you know, that's only going to happen once. That only happened once. But this is going to be the, the essence of our living. And it's going to, it's going to contain some, some very important concepts of crucifying the flesh, walking by the Spirit, and then that whole thing about conceited and envy. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned because that is... Um, just take my word for it. You got to get it. And we'll come back and we'll talk about it. We'll begin talking about it next week. Let's quit. Heavenly Father, uh, I do thank you for the rich privilege that is mine to, um, to try and explain some of these, these things that are so important to us as believers. But I pray, O oh God, that your people will find great joy in knowing that you have governed your church from her inception, that she was your idea, that you brought her into being at Pentecost, and that you have been superintending the church for lo, these 21 centuries, uh, as you did Israel in the Old Testament. So it is our joy to state with Christians from 2,000 years ago that we all believe much of the same things. These saving truths about crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Rich things, O oh God, that we, that we hold dear, but we're not the only ones. And those were formulated and codified by those who have gone before us, and we thank you for them. Thank you that you guarded Nicaea and Constantinople and Ephesus and Chalcedon. 
and that uh, out of it came the rich truths of the hypostatic union and the Trinity and um, things that we find our great comfort and joy today. We uh, love you, Lord God. Sorry we love you so little, but would you enable us to love you more? We ask it in Jesus' name.